without fighting, but he said hell <clears throat> would always come in time. Well, I'm glad of that this morning. I'm glad, what is it, in Numbers? Maybe Deuteronomy, I can't remember exactly. He said to Moses that I will never leave thee. And then he said it again in Hebrews to the church, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And that's a blessing. To know that uh, even in these times, uh, I mean, we're looking at uh, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, now December, nine months of this uh, COVID. And uh, I, I keep going back to uh, to what Brother Dean McNeese said during our revival, this crowning season. He said that word corona means crowning. And uh, he said, this is just a season. And, and I, I know Brother Dean's not a prophet or anything of that nature. I understand that. I wouldn't even put that on him. Um, but uh, I just have to wonder what's coming next. Brother Eric done moved full-time into farming now. And if you hadn't already, you know you got to pay attention to the seasons. you got that season of cold a season where it looks like everything is just dead. But before that, everything was dying. Before all the death, everything seemed to be vibrant and everything, the heat was coming. And in that season of summer, everything seemed to be producing fruit. But the season before that, and this goes backwards as well, the season before that summer was that season of new life. That season where things begin to break forth, those bare limbs that came from the winter, they started pushing out leaves and started pushing out buds, started pushing out fruit. And that ground where there was a dead seed planted, all of a sudden with water and warmth, that thing began to germinate and come up. And when that thing was planted, I just had to wonder maybe if he thought, well, this is the end. I've been planted. I don't know how long I'm going to be here, but it's all over. And then all of a sudden, the war. <laughs> all of a sudden, the season began to change. And that warmth began to, began to bring new life. And that warmth began to make that thing that appeared to be dead begin to grow. And out of an old shriveled seed came a green sprout, pushed its way through the ground, began to spring up and flower. I can't help but to wonder what's coming after this season of this crowning. I really can't. And I'm looking forward to it. I said last week, I think it was, what would happen if we really began to, to, uh, to pray that God would return or have his son return. And I'm reminded of that again today. That's nowhere near what I'm going to be preaching. But I'm just reminded of that this morning. I just wonder maybe Brother Jim. If the next season might be that catching away season. The next season. He, Jesus said that the fields are white already in the harvest. He said the laborers are few. That, I mean that it's, it's prime for the picking Brother Jody. I, I'm just wondering if maybe after this crowning. <laughs> After this crowning season, God might be ready just to pull this one out of here. And that does something for me. I don't know what it does for y'all. But it does something for me this morning. That's message number one, I guess. It might be better than this one. Matthew chapter number one, verse number <clears throat> verse number 18. You'll pardon me if you will, my throat, everything. I promise I don't have covert. Nor do I have COVID. Uh, I asked the doctor 
I didn't even tell my family this. I asked the doctor if she would test me for that, you know, where they put that tube before up your head with a gasoline-soaked rag on the end of it. And she said, no, it was a, just a sinus infection and an upper respiratory infection, but I, I'm, 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 I'm good. All right. Y'all still saved? Say amen. Yeah. Matthew chapter number 1, verse number 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. You don't miss that word or phrase there in verse 18, that Holy Ghost. In your New Testament, that's the first time you'll see it. But it won't be the last time. Verse 19, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son, excuse me, of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary, thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying Behold a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph being raised from sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and called his name. Let's just say this together, okay? And called his name Jesus. Can we say his name one more time this morning? Jesus. Let's just do it one more time. They called his name Jesus. <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your blessings. Now, God, we ask you that you might just speak to our hearts. I pray today that you would touch us, allow us to be able to preach the message that you've laid on our heart. God, give us direction. Lord, give us unction and utterance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We see here in Matthew chapter number 1, verse number 18, down through verse number 28, uh, really a miraculous story. And it's one that none of us really, especially us men, would want to find ourselves in. Uh, it's not something that, that I believe Joseph even prayed about or hoped for. I think it's something that did catch him by surprise. But this record here in the Gospel of Matthew brings us into this time and uh, it actually brings us into a time between Malachi and Matthew chapter number one. As far as printed word of God comes, we, we, there's nothing. There's what's been called as the 400 years of silence. But understand that when, when Malachi wrote his last book or wrote his book and uh, the, the canon of scripture was completed, and I don't believe even some of these New Testament men had all of those things all there together. Uh, they had access to them, but it was, a, uh, it was a trial to get those. But understand that there had been no moving of the Holy Ghost. There had been no mention of the Holy Ghost. There had been no moving of angels. And there's been no encounters of angels for at least 400 years. But all of a sudden, this marks the end of that silence from God. And not only does it just announce it, and not only does it come uh, by way of, of angels, but it comes, he breaks this, this silence with a bang. He doesn't just come in and say, hey, I'm going to do some things. He comes in, and with uh, uh, great might, he begins to work. 
and he doesn't, uh, doesn't pull any punches, if you will. There's a flurry of action. Angels appeared to Zacharias. Angels appeared to Mary. Angels appeared to Joseph. Angels appeared to the shepherds. A star appeared to the wise men. There was a great flurry of action that happened between here and in the two years of Jesus' birth. A great flurry of action, but uh, this morning will probably be not a series uh, as far as a, uh, um, a dedicated series, but over the next few weeks, I'm going to be preaching uh, about this story of Christ, and we'll probably go from book to book. Uh, but today, I want to deal with Joseph, and, and I'm going to title the message, the man, the message, and the miracle. And uh, I do believe that Joseph is probably one of the most forgettable uh, figures in this entire story of Christ and his birth. We, we think of Mary, and we think of, of course, Jesus and the shepherds, and we think of uh, uh, the manger in Bethlehem. We think about the innkeeper that said, no, you can't come in here. I don't have any rooms. We think about all of those things. But quite often we forget about Joseph. And so for just a few minutes, I want to deal with him. And uh, to start us off, we'll, number one, look at this man named Joseph. You see, first of all, that there was a lineage here. If you look at the previous verses from verse number one of Matthew chapter one down to verse number 16, you basically see the heritage or the lineage the generations of Joseph. And Joseph from one verse number, chapter number one, verse number one, down to verse number 16, it, it ends in verse number 16. And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. But if we begin to look back, we'll see in verse number one that this is the book of the generation of who? Jesus Christ. The son of, if you will, I'm not adding to or taking away. I'm just bringing it all together. Jesus Christ is the son of Joseph and of Mary. But it says the son of David, the son of Abraham. And he goes back all the way. Joseph's family tree in verse number one and verse number two goes all the way back to Abraham. Now, if you are just kind of wondering about Mary's lineage, you can look at, look in Luke chapter number 3, verse number 23 down through verse number 38. And the Bible says, uh, just in case it's confusing, it says Joseph, the son of Eli, or Heli, uh, and it is actually talking about Mary. In this case, it, it uses Joseph as his son, but his son, uh, or Joseph, was Eli's son-in-law but it goes all the way back to Adam. So Joseph's line goes all the way back at least until Abraham. That's what's recorded. But Mary's line goes all the way back to Adam. And so we see here this man named Joseph. Uh, the, the fact that he was of the lineage of David is why in Luke chapter number 2, verse number 4, they got up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Here it is again, because he was of the house and lineage of David. And so again, we're talking about this man named Joseph. And not only that, but if you look in verse number 24 of Luke chapter number 2, it says that he gave turtle doves. Uh, he could give two pigeons or he could give two turtle doves. And so when someone were to give those small birds in their sacrifice, it meant that they were of poorer nature than someone that might give a bullock or some larger animal. So we see not only was he of the house and lineage of David, but he was likely a poor man. But then we see here in verse number 18 of our text uh, that uh, as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together. And so we see that somewhere along the line, he fell in love with a little girl named Mary. I believe, and, and I, I don't, some of you men are probably more manly than I am, but, but I had dreams about when I met my wife, I had dreams about what our future would be. I didn't plan my wedding like girls do, and I didn't have a, 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 all of the planned out, you know, how y'all... We'll have bridal showers and bridal go to bridal 
parties and shops and pick out dresses from here and there and everybody's got, I didn't go to that length, but I began to wonder what would it be like to have children. I began to wonder what kind of house we would have, where God would take us in the ministry and all of these things. And so I firmly believe that even Joseph, as he fell in love with Mary, he showed his humanity here and that he was espoused to her. He was, if you will, he was betrothed or engaged to her. Now, in this betrothal, if you look over there in the book of Hosea, chapter number, I believe it's chapter number four, uh, it talks about Hosea being betrothed, or rather God being betrothed to Israel. He's been promised to Israel, and Israel has been promised to him. And here Joseph is promised to Mary, and Mary too is promised to him. It was not something that was taken lightly. Here in our particular uh, society, in the American society, if someone likes someone enough to ask them to marry them, uh, then at any given point, during that point in the time that they say their vows, if they say, well, I don't like you anymore, or if they say, I don't love you anymore, more, or if there's some trouble that comes up, maybe unbeknownst to everyone else, they can break that engagement and everything will go back like normal. The, the, the female gives the man back his ring. Sometimes, I guess, I don't know. I, thankfully, I've never been through that as far as the giving the back of the ring. Uh, but uh, they part ways. And maybe later on, they might come together or reconsider. I don't know. But that was not the case in this betrothal. Uh, once they made that step into this espousal or this betrothal, uh, they would go between at least two women and they would make it official. This was not something that was done on a mountaintop for a photo op uh, with a man on one knee, but this was something that was official. He was asking for this woman to become part of him, and he was giving part of him to this woman, or rather all of him. There were words that were pledged. There was money that was given to secure the dowry of this girl, this young lady. So this was not something that was taken lightly here in verse number 18. We have a lot of our contemporaries uh, that say that they were just dating. I, I believe that it was more than just dating. They, they, were, they, were as, Brother David, they were as close to being married as they could get before they said those vows. It was not something to be taken lightly. Matter of fact, this was just as sacred as marriage, not only was the espousal or the betrothal just as sacred, but so was the violation. If you look over in, uh, I believe it's the book of uh, Deuteronomy, I'll, I'll get there in just a little while, but I'll give you a hint. It says, if a man be found uh, lying with a woman married to an husband, then shall both of them die. And so this was something that, that God did not take lightly. And here was this woman that Joseph loved. We're talking about the man named Joseph. He loved this woman named Mary. He was a spouse to her. He took it serious. But then all of a sudden, <laughs> we read the rest of verse number 18. When as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child but it says of the Holy Ghost. And it says that, then Joseph, notice that it says her husband. Now again, let's not get confused. They are still a spouse. They are not married, but they are as close to being married as possible. It says, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example was minded to put her away privately. Mary here is expecting a child. <clears throat> We don't know how that story played out. We don't know if there was a, a romantic dinner that got messed up. We don't know if she went down to the chop house with a red lobster or black beard and said, hey, Joseph, we've got to have a conversation. I don't know if they were on the corner of uh, checkers or rallies and said, if you'll give me a fry, I will tell you what's really on my... I really don't know if they were uh, passing a piece of pecan pie around and said, listen, we got to talk. But there had to be a conversation that went on right here in between verse number 18 and verse number 19. But the great thing about this man named Joseph is that he was a just man. And I believe that God had... Uh, not only picked this woman named Mary because of her innocence and her, her virtuous nature, 
But I firmly believe this morning that God chose Mary because her espouse was a just man. The one that was going to be walking with Jesus down the road was a just man. He was upright. He may not have had a whole lot of money, may not have had a whole lot of possessions, but he was a man that was just. And he was so just that he could have had her put to death. He could have had her uh, separated. He never would have had to worry about it anymore. There would have been no guilt, no shame, no nothing upon himself. He could have been within the confines of the Mosaic law to say, absolutely not, get away from me, and took her out to the edge of the city and had her stoned because she was with child and it wasn't his. But he was a just man. Now we're talking about the Son of God that's, that's fit to be born here. Don't you think today, Daddy, that God had a plan way back yonder when he realized that the blood, the blood of calves and goats and turtle doves wouldn't take away the sin of the world? Don't you realize that when God began to issue that edict of having two lambs brought before the priest, and one lamb was killed while another lamb was, the sin of the world was confessed over that lamb. And he was placed out into the wilderness in that scapegoat. Don't you realize that God began to make a plan saying there's got to be a better way. And I don't, I don't want to demean God in saying that. But God made a plan for someone else. But before it could start with Jesus, there had to be a virgin. And before there was a virgin, there had to be a just man. To raise his son. And this just man's name was Joseph. And he just found out that his future bride was, was, uh, was expecting a child. And it wasn't him. Uh, it wasn't his. And there was no salute, no simple solution for this. Everything that went through his mind, no doubt, uh, became cluttered by all the what ifs. Anybody ever ask what if? Man, I'm <laughs> There's been a few times that I've been in the bedroom or been in another room where my wife have come in there and she shut the door behind her and had a serious look on her face. And my question is, hey, no, it's what's wrong? Could you imagine all of the what ifs that may have been going through Joseph's mind? What if I stay with her? What if I have her stolen? What will people think of me? What will people think of her? But because Joseph was just, compassionate, merciful, he decided to, the Bible says that he, not willing to make her a public example, he was minded to put away pride. He said, this has got to be handled, but we're going to do it privately. We're going to do it hush-hush. We're going to keep her, her virtue, what's left. We're going to keep, remind you, he does not know, he does not know that this is the Holy Ghost baby right here. He's thinking that there's somebody running around town that says this baby's dead. But he was just. I believe he loved Mary. He didn't want to make a public example, so he decided to handle it privately. But listen. But that's verse number 19. Verse number 20, though, takes us in a completely different direction. We saw the man named Joseph. Now let's look at the message to Joseph, number two, verse number 20. But while he thought on these things, again, each one of us, especially men, we have a we have a tendency to be fixers. We want to fix things. Even if you can't swing a hammer, you try your best to fix something. If all you know is a computer screen, you still try your best to fix something. It's in our nature. It's in our DNA to fix things. And it says he, he didn't want to put her away publicly. He was going to do it privately. And while he thought on these things, don't you reckon that these, these thoughts of her being uh, with child of someone else began to haunt him and began to um, manipulate his thoughts? Uh, this morning, I kind of added a little bit to this. And, and I just wondered if you've ever been told something. Maybe you've been to the doctor and he's told you some bad news. 
You've been to the doctor and he's used that cancer word. You've been to the doctor and he's used he's used uh, other major illnesses as a prospect of your uh, of your problem. And, and if you're anything like me, once you hear that trigger word, your mind stops listening, your mind stops seeing, and your mind begins to roll, and your mind begins to try to figure out what we're going to do. I've got to have life insurance. I'm going to die. He said cancer. I'm going to die. We've got to figure this out. I don't know if I can afford I mean, you constantly do this. You go to a mechanic. Your car is knocking. You think for sure you've got a rod knocking. But turns out all it is is bad gas. And, and if you'll just clean your gas up and you'll just put some cleaner in your engine, everything will be all right. But when you hear that noise, your, your mind begins to go to the furthest, deepest, darkest place. Maybe, as I said earlier, your wife comes in or your husband comes into a room and they shut they shut the door and they've got a, a look of despair and you 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 know that it's not good news and all you can think is all the bad that's gonna happen. The mail delivered and there's one of those red envelopes or there's one of those you can see the red y'all ever had one of those you can see the red words through the white envelope this says past due or final notice or something like that. And you don't recognize the address, but as soon as you open it up, your heart begins to drop. And you say, there's absolutely no way that I can help this. There's absolutely no way. And your mind shuts off all of the other possibilities and begins to dwell solely on that. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Now, again, I don't put a lot of stock now. I'm not talking about scripture. I don't put a whole lot of stock into dreams because, and I know I'm not alone in this. I have some weird dreams. I shot some of y'all before. I'm just going to tell you, in my dreams, some of y'all aren't here anymore. Um, I don't know exactly what that means, Brother Kenny. Some of y'all are just walking with a limp. But nonetheless, I, I cannot put a whole lot of stock in my dream. Now, in saying that, here he was thinking about these things, and I believe with a broken heart, he passed off into sleep. And God sent an angel. While he's thinking all of these horrible things, the angel appeared unto him. And I love this. Kaylee and them sing this song. He knows my name. <laughs> and the angel said, Joseph, thou son of David. This was not any Joseph. This was not a Joseph. But this was the right Joseph. Joseph, thou son of David. He says in a personal message here, he says, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived of her, in her, excuse me, is of the Holy Ghost. God had a message for Joseph in this hour or in this night of trouble. It was a personal message. He said, Joseph, thou son of David, but then don't miss these two words. Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. I'm telling you, when the Holy Ghost begins to deal with your heart and starts with Fear not. You might want to buckle up because there's going to be a ride coming. I think about when Jesus over there in Mark chapter number four, I uh, told the, the disciples to go to the other side of the ship and he fell asleep. And it was in that time that the big storm came up. Uh, but Jesus said to them, fear not. In the middle of the storm, fear not. But, but we're in a storm. Fear not. But we're going through a hard time in our life. Fear not. We're going through a trial. Fear not. It's dark outside. Fear not. And Joseph is dreaming. He's in a dream, but he's thinking about these horrible things, and he gives them this message. Fear not. He said, that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Now, I told you that the first mention of the Holy Ghost in the New Testament is in verse number 18. Found the child of the Holy Ghost. The second here is in verse number 20. But let us not think that this is the first time that Joseph ever heard this title. Joseph, no doubt, because we see that he went to the temple. We see that he offered sacrifice. He was a man of, of faith. He was a man at least of religion. 
And we see that no doubt he had read some of those Old Testament writings. Now, the last time that we come upon the, the Holy Ghost is not in the Old Testament. Those two words are not in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is called the Holy Spirit. But the, the last time that the Holy Spirit in conjunction was written was in Isaiah chapter number, I won't say chapter number 7. I could be wrong in there. At chapter number 63, verse number 11. That's the last time that Holy Spirit was written together. Now, in a couple of the others, especially Daniel, he uses Holy Spirit, but it's not about God. It's about some other things, and we can get into that at a later date if the Lord will let us. But, but this is the first time that we see this word Holy Ghost. And so I believe that when the angel, not only did the angel catch his attention, not only did the word fear not catch his attention, but when he said the Holy Ghost, I believe that caught his attention. There's something this angel is saying to me that I need to listen to. There's something going. And he goes on, he says, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou. He already said, fear not to take Mary as your wife. But he said, Joseph, you will call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now, we can look in the book of John and we can see about John the Baptist being born. And we can see about Zechariah. We can see about Elizabeth. And we can see what happened there. We may deal with that over the next several weeks. But, but here, there was an importance, not only in what this child was going to be called, but in who was going to be named this child. He said, thou shalt call his name Jesus. In this, this situation that seemed the furthest from his expectation, I told you, there's no doubt in my mind that he was thinking about his, his friend John down the road and Mary. There's not a doubt in my mind that he was thinking about somebody else had defiled his future wife. But all of a sudden, while he's thinking on these things and he's in a dream and an angel comes to him and he says, no, none of that, none of those fears, none of those ifs, none of those what ifs are really true. But the truth is that this child is a child from the Holy Ghost. That is the furthest thing from his expectation. But it's this moment that he was no doubt thinking. No doubt, well, right before this, no doubt thinking about all of the others that had come into Mary's life. But God said, this is, this is the Holy Ghost. It seemed, this situation seemed sure to bring death to Mary. Remember I told you, she could be stoned for this. Deuteronomy chapter number 22, verse number 23. If a man be found lying with a woman married to a husband or even a spouse, he says, uh, and they sh shall both of them die, both the man that lay with the woman and the woman. He said, thou shalt put away evil from Israel. If a damsel that is a, here we are, here we are, if a damsel that is a virgin be betrothed unto an husband, and a man find her in the city and lie with her, then shall ye bring them both out into the gate of the city, and ye shall stone them with stones that they die. The damsel, because she cried not, being in the city, that ought to tell us right there, I understand this is an Old Testament, but that ought to tell us, especially you young ladies, but you young men as well, need to be careful where you are. Can some of you mommas and daddies say amen? Need to be careful where you are. But it says the, the, the damsel will die because she cried not, being in the city, and the man because he hath humbled his neighbor's wife, thou shalt put away evil from among you. And so we find here that, that this situation in Joseph's eyes was sure to bring death, but we see that it will soon bring deliverance. It seemed to be full of sin, but now because this, this is the child of the Holy Ghost in verse 20, it has become sacred. It seems to be sure to ruin Mary's good name, but now it will immortalize it. He was sure that all would call her a sinner, but now she'll be called blessed. He thought that this would end his dreams as a husband. He thought that instead uh, of, of being that model husband and, and raising his children, he thought for sure that he would be doomed to be alone without the love of his life. 
But instead, he found what was happening between verse 18 and verse number 21 to be beyond his wildest dreams. Now, let's look at verse number 20. Y'all still with me? Verse number 21, the miracle of the birth of Jesus. The miracle of the birth of Jesus. The birth of, of the Savior was to save his people from their sins. That's why Jesus was born. It, it wasn't to, it wasn't, it wasn't, listen to me, it wasn't to create statues and nativity scenes. Jesus was born into this world to save from sin. And during this holiday season, during this Christmas season, if you will, we have to remember that there was a reason why that little boy, that was God, Brother David, left all of heaven to come to earth. As the songwriter said, to don the robe of an earthly man and walk among us. That was a reason. And it wasn't to be saying about, no, not necessarily, it wasn't necessarily to have Christmas plays written about him and, and Christmas trees erected in his name, but rather to save the world from sin. In Jesus' birth, just a, I'm not even talking about up to his 12 years of age when he was found in the temple. Just those first few years of his birth, at least 13, maybe 14 prophecies of the Old Testament were fulfilled just in those few years of his birth. Matthew explains here in these verses, verse number 21 down to verse number 25, he explains Isaiah chapter number 7, verse number 14. Isaiah said there, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. That was the words of Isaiah hundreds of years before Matthew chapter number 1 was written. And all of a sudden we find a virgin has conceived, and Jesus will be his name. You read some of the other uh, passages about this. The angel says, Thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. Uh, you read other prophecies. And they all come down to being a comforter. They all come down to being a savior or that Messiah. There was something miraculous about this birth of Christ. The absolute necessity of the virgin birth of Christ, we have to go back to all of those prophecies. We, and I'm not dealing with prophecy today, but we have to go back to what God in his word said would happen. We have to go back to even Isaiah chapter number 7. A, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. That shall call his name Emmanuel. We have to go. There was an absolute necessity of the virgin birth of Christ. He could have found some woman. He could have found some woman out on the road. He could have found a young woman. He could have found a, a, a fine woman, fine upstanding woman, but she was not that virgin young lady. And he could have given her a child. And that child could have come up. But he realized that child would have been like every other child born before and after the Lord Jesus Christ. There would have been nothing special. Oh, it would have been special, don't misunderstand me. But there would not be anything sacred about him. There would not be anything holy about that child. Because he was not that virgin born child. I had a preacher text me yesterday, and if I called his name, you would know him. And he's preaching a series. And he said, I want to run something by you. And he gave a couple of questions. But, but he said, how did Jesus not get Mary's sinful blood. And I thought, ooh, that's pretty good right there. How did Jesus not get Mary's sinful blood? Now, I guess I've often wondered about that. I've, I've preached a little bit about on the DNA of Christ and the blood of Christ. I, but I, it's been a while, so David, I went and I started looking. And I found out that that God fertilized Mary's seed. It was the Holy Ghost, right? That's what the Bible says. It was the Holy Ghost that had fertilized this seed of Mary. But he, Jesus, he gets the traits, just like any other human, 
They get traits from the dad and from the mother. Y'all with me? That little baby, that uh, fetus, if you will, it gets traits from its mama, but it also gets nutrients from its mama. But the blood is all its own. That blood, that baby's blood and that mama's blood do not mix. Now those nutrients and those traits from the mother to the child can cause problems and can interfere. That's, I had a wife back there. That, that's what happened uh, with our two children that we lost. So there is a possibility of, of, uh, of contamination, but it doesn't mingle with the blood. So you say, what, what does this all have to do with it? If he gets his traits from, in this case, from the Holy Ghost, and he gets his traits from Mary, his biological mother, and Mary gives him the nutrients, somewhere along the line, that blood begins to form. Those platelets begin to form, and they begin to pump through that body of the Lord Jesus Christ, that little bitty fetus. And his blood is all its own. You know what that means? That means he is the God-man. That's why we hear him called the Son of God and the Son of Man. He has genealogy on both. I told you that Joseph's genealogy goes back to Abraham. Uh, Mary's goes back to Adam's. And Adam's, of course, goes back to God. But even a more direct line, we have, we have the only begotten Son of God that is now in the very womb of Mary, that has the traits of his father and the traits of his earthly mother. And here we find not only was it absolutely necessary to have a virgin birth with Mary, but I believe that it was necessary even for that. We don't, we don't talk about this in church a lot, but even for the science of this birth to be found implausible, or plausible rather, undeniable, it had to be this way. It had to be this virgin. It had to be this young lady named Mary. The miraculous birth, I'm, I'm gonna need about three people here in a little while to say amen. Just pick a time and, that, and I'll be done. But the miraculous birth of Christ makes possible another miraculous birth. That birth that I experienced in 1992, that birth that you experienced in whenever and wherever it may have been, if it had not been for the birth of Jesus Christ here on this wise, he says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. If it had not happened like this, then there would never have been an April 24th, 1992. If it had not happened like this, if Jesus did not come like this, if he did not live this life, if he did not die that death, if he did not get up on that third day, then you and I would have no hope of salvation. Amen. Without the miraculous birth, there would be no remedy for our sinful condition. How many, I want to show our hands. How many people remember some old timers praying and saying, God, I want you to save some sin sick soul. Anybody ever remember somebody saying or preaching or, 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 or testifying? I'm talking about if there hadn't been the miraculous birth of Christ, then you and I would still be a sin sick. Without the miraculous birth of Christ, there would be no hope for forgiveness. Through Emmanuel, through Jesus, through this comforter, we find forgiveness. We find peace. It's through the birth of Christ that we can have hope this morning. The man, the message, and the miracle. I told you that Joseph is often overlooked but sadly, we live in a, a, a time, a society where Jesus himself is often overlooked. We live in a society, and, and I, do not, I do not have one, one iota against buying presents or Santa Claus or any of those other things. I don't have any problems with any of that. If you do, that's fine. I'm not going to part ways with you. But I will say this, and I'll say it unapologetically. 
if if that is Christmas, if the Christmas tree and the Christmas gifts and the Santa Claus and, and the elves and, and the reindeer, if that's all Christmas is to you, then you have completely missed Christmas. I had a, a, a sweater long, long, long time ago. It's so long, I was probably wearing a medium. That's how long ago it was. Somebody say, help me, Lord. And it said, it said, Jesus is the reason for the season. It's the ugliest sweater I've ever had for my life. And I finally got rid of it. Kurt, I never forgot that. That's the first time I ever saw it. And that's why I thought Jesus is the reason for the season. If it hadn't been for what happened in those nine months, if it hadn't been for what happened in those first two years of Jesus' birth, if it hadn't have been what happened in those 33 years of Jesus' life, there'd be no hope for you and I. And without a hope that comes from Christ, there would be no need for Christ must Christmas. Let's stand today. I trust that the Lord's blessed you in, this, in the message. I hope that God's encouraged you and strengthened you in that.